Hello. Okay, everybody recording? We are. Yes. We'll kick off and try and make it fun, yeah? Yeah, brilliant. Try and make it fun, yeah, Rafe? Sounds like a good idea. Welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 17, Episode 1, and this week we're talking about my new Ubiquiti networking kit, Huawei's trade war with the US, and Rafe's experience with CityMapper. Chaps, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Ben. Rafe, Rafe Blanford, where are you this evening, Rafe Blanford? I am in my flat in London. In London, and you and McLeod coming from a seedy hotel room somewhere in the east of Europe. I am live, live from Helsinki. Alive in Helsinki. Yes. Well, uh, we're back. Um, it feels like it's been an awfully long time. It's customary for us to apologise after these very long breaks for being <laughs> away right. for so long. Although I feel like this this break has exceeded all expectations, and so more than apologies are required. So let's just um, let's just say hello. Yes, we're back. Uh, mm-hmm. Same show, different format. Surprise! Surprise! Well, quite surprised. I was surprised to be honest. I mean, I, I didn't ever <laughs> actually thought that we'd get here. So let's just recap. Um, why were we away for so long, Rafe Blanford? We were quite busy. Some of us were quite busy. That's absolutely right. Yes. Let's. I mean, let's not be blamey here. You know, nobody. Nobody likes blame. But yeah, some of us. Were, some of us were quite busy. Um, and what has? Let's just recap what's happened since we spoke to you last. So we last did a recording for three six one in November twenty eighteen. Do you remember back in those days? November twenty eighteen. Yeah. Jeez, it's not far yeah. away from 2019 November. I, I know, that that was the impetus to hurry up. Yes. So uh, in the meantime, Rafe Blanford and I have acquired a godchild. This is yes. true, this is true, yes, yes, thank so, you. Rafe and I are now responsible for the spiritual welfare of your youngest child. As is right and proper, I think. Yes. Oh I, I'm going to say, I think she possibly might need more than what Rafe and I have to offer, but... Um, you know, like I say, we'll uh, we'll see how she gets on. I mean, al- al- already cursed with the fa- with the, with, the, with the world's most argumentative father. We now get you know us two. So. What are you saying? We're, we're delighted. We're delighted. Yeah, Thank the, you. The, the, the correct answer to argumentative father is no, I'm not. Turns out you was right. Copenhagen is quite dark at times, especially at night time. Indeed, I'm very excited. Very excited to confirm that Rafe Blanford and I have confirmed with our own eyes Copenhagen gets dark at night. But you're not in Copenhagen as you record. Uh, you, McLeod, nope. you are in. I'm in, really, I'm in Helsinki. I'm in Helsinki. Right, exactly. Well, I'm just winding up to an interesting story in terms of why are you there? Well, there's um, lots of work. I have to uh, regularly visit different uh, headquarters in the Nordics, and uh, Helsinki being actually the main headquarters of the Nordia Group. That's why I'm here tonight. And but that that I think is also one of the explanations for why we haven't recorded, right? Because the the travel um, has been getting in the way. Now uh, you guys aren't traveling that much generally speaking, but I have been, which has been making it difficult to, to do the recording. But now we have a new solution, don't we, Ben? 
We do, we do. So it's been it's been problematic. Uh, new jobs, families, careers, travel. It's made it really difficult because we've always really relished recording three six one initially face to face, all three of us in a studio together. And then when Ewan went to uh, Denmark, we set up a link and we'd record office to office, and um, we loved that sort of human contact of having you know Ewan up on the big screen, able to talk to each other, and. Um, many many podcasts record over skype as we are doing now and we always said we didn't want to do that because it just sort of broke that kind of human connection the physicality yeah yeah however having extensively tested whether or not that approach works when somebody's in a different city every week and i've done a bit of travel and rafe's done a bit of travel as well i'm not prepared to give you all the blame you and i think we've come to the conclusion that if we want to keep doing this and we really really do because this is one of the best fun things i do um we're going to have to take a new approach and so what we've done is we've said Back to basics, nice and simple. We're going to make 361 a slightly new format. We're going to reduce the time. So 361 is going to be about 35, 40 minutes tops. We're going to try and record it, come what may, wherever we are, whatever the conditions, whatever the sound quality. And and if somebody's not available, we're going to go on and record it anyway. So you might get a few episodes with two of us in. But we're just going to try and get back to recording regularly. And hopefully you, our audience, if if you're listening to this, you've probably... You've probably been around for a while. You know the score. You know the kind of jobs we do. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to be the, the slight degradation in professional quality will be worth it for a more frequent, more regular bit of chat. Can we just get, speaking of jobs, we have a new C amongst us. Don't well, we? certainly that, that's what I was calling him at one point, but let's, um, let, let's not dwell on that. Um, so what does so, C begin uh, or stand for, uh, Rafe? Charlie? Oh. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I do know that I've got new hair, though. Yeah, come on, come Rafe, on. So, yeah, go on. You, you do it, Ben. You do it. Yeah. Well, Rafe Blanford has been elevated to uh, to great heights, which is not, not a phrase I ever thought I'd say because, you know, he's, what's Rafe short for? He's got new legs, you know. Um, but, Rafe, you've, you've been elevated. You've got a new job, and it's one of the things that's been keeping you exceptionally busy. But uh, I'm just going to take a moment from teasing you to say that I think it was well-deserved because you yes. uh, worked incredibly hard. And now you are, remind me, you've got fold-out business cards, haven't you? That that's right. I am. Uh, thank you so much for this. This is uh, excruciatingly embarrassing. But yes, I'm the chief product officer at Digitas now. We've also moved office very inconsiderately, given it was our recording studio. It was yet another reason for why we're recording remotely. But I am responsible for Digitas technology and product teams. Excellent. And I mean, I, I confess to not knowing what any of those words actually mean, but I think over the course of the podcast, we're, we'll, um, <laughs> we'll find out and we will we will touch base. Now, very quickly, guys, because we, we're already in danger of breaching our new let's record quickly and get it out there uh, rules. Um, there's a slim chance that some people might be coming to 361 for the first time. We're going to, you know, I'll do some tweeting. I'll send two tweets and you can put something on Facebook, Rafe, you know, to let people know that 361 is back. If people um, don't know if people haven't listened before, let's just do a quick introduction to ourselves. What we what we do what what we do when we're not recording a podcast. So, Ewan, first up, right? Uh, yes, hello. I am Chief Digital Officer at a large uh, Northern European financial player. It's called Nordea Group. Lovely, Rafe Blanford. Uh, well, I just refer to myself as Chief Product Officer at Digitas, and Digitas is a technology and creative agency that kind of builds apps, websites, CRM content, and uh, digital media for all kinds of clients. And I am a freelance uh, digital delivery manager. So I have recently been looking after uh, the relaunch of the UK's um, online passport application service, which is outstanding and no doubt we will talk about at some length in later, in later episodes. Any, any British people listening, 
and she's just done a passport renewal. Uh, and it's Ben and his team that you need to, to thank for making it nice and smooth. Yes, if it went well, please write in and tell me. If it didn't, don't tell anyone and just stay shush. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, the three of us have been now working together, well, I think seven or eight years last time I counted, depending on, on how you how you count it, maybe even maybe even longer uh, for associations. We've been blogging, we've been writing, we've been podcasting, and uh, this is uh, a great opportunity for us to get together and have the kind of chat we'd probably have over a, a beer and Rafe's uh, Diet Coke, uh, but to uh, to let everyone else in as well. Okay, so let's get on with it then. Done, done. Um, Let's talk about our first subject this Mm -hmm. evening. It's me. I want to tell you all about my new Ubiquiti network kit, and uh, it's brilliant. You should all go out and buy some. There you go. Right. Could we have a little more detail? Yes. So just what what is Ubiquiti, and can, can we just be clear what any normal person does is just have a router um, supplied by their uh, their internet service provider, they plug it in and things just work. So what what, are, what is Ubiquiti and what are you doing? Well, look, I mean, as we've established over the course of many, many years, if you can just buy one piece of kit to do one simple job, you can probably buy 10 pieces of kit to make it much more complicated. And that is our preferred approach on this show. You know, as the, you, you and McLeod's favourite. Uh, scroll to the what right you mean. And, <laughs> Scroll to the right and, and to the bottom to get the most expensive, most complicated setup. So Ubiquiti make um, prosumer-type networking equipment, and I used to have all Apple in my in my house. Anyone who's been listening for a while knows that I'm you know an Apple enthusiast. I had um, airports and all, all manner of things dotted around the house, and I had two problems. One, Apple had ended support for their airport range, so it it was still being patched but it wasn't going to get any better and as a product it was going to degrade over time because they weren't going to add new hardware and i wouldn't get the latest wi-fi's and all that kind of good stuff and uh secondly the wi-fi in our house wasn't cutting it one router in a cupboard i literally kept it in a cupboard because that was the only place i could put it uh the signal wasn't covering all the areas i wanted it to and uh mrs smith was having to see the buffering icon on um, on iplayer from time to time and that means i needed to pull my finger out and make the wi-fi better not acceptable so i did a bit of a hunt round, and there is an amazing amount of stuff you can buy right now and i'd look, not looked at the market for ages and i settled on ubiquity who provide sort of prosumer level gear and i have bought a whole set of um, ubiquity equipment and i absolutely love it it's been quite an investment but i like the fact that it's um it has all the power of sort of enterprise equipment in terms of the things it will do but actually even i with my relatively lightweight understanding of networking kit have been able to set it up and configure it and use it and and just for clarity then so you you have a router from your network provider right nope it's gone what? it's out of, it's out of here really it's okay gone. all right it's so where bin. do you get internet from then how, how, you've got a plug in the wall yep so yeah. uh i have replaced so i have replaced the so my isp gave me a gave me a, a, a router and a modem and a box and it did everything all in one got rid of that i've now got a um a vdsl modem so that means i plug it into my phone line and it does because my internet is provided by fiber to the cabinet it's provided uh you know it's it's um copper to the last mile to the house but it's uh, fiber to the nearest telephone cabinet so i've got that that plugs into my telephone line that's a modem but that's yeah. just a modem then the next box i've got a router which is a firewall a wireless router. a wireless router. no 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 a traditional plugged in with wires router and that okay. just does that that does the job of routing that right. then conne- that, that then connects to a couple of switches 
which distribute my my wired internet around my house because I've got I'm lucky to have a few ethernet cables in the walls Fine. of my house and then on the end of some of those cables I've got wireless access points and so I've got two wireless access points in my house at either ends of my house connected back into those switches and then connected back into that into that router and one of the best bits about this kit is that it all uses something called power over ethernet right and what does that mean, Ben? Yeah. I thought you'd never ask, Ray Flanford. <laughs> so um, when, when, you, when, you, when you plug in a normal router, you, know, you plug in the Ethernet cable and then you plug in a power supply because you need the router to have power. But there is a standard that allows power to be delivered over an Ethernet cable. So now I can have those wireless access points in my, uh, in my living room and in my kitchen. Well, and they don't, cool. have, they don't have any power supplied to them. They are just powered by power that comes over the Ethernet line from uh, no, that, switching that, switch that is unmessy or that is tidy and it's even better than that because my access points aren't on a shelf or on the ceiling as some people do my have what's called in wall access points now so i have a little white box that just yeah. protrudes slightly from the wall and so the wi-fi effectively what i've done is i've taken i've taken my ethernet port off the wall replaced yeah. it w- and replaced it with uh, an access point and that's brilliant because that means i've got no mess it's completely tidy it's completely clean it just looks like a slightly oversized plug and it's there giving me wi-fi in the corner of my room no holes in the plaster work no running cables up into the ceiling or anything like that it's absolutely brilliant and then elsewhere in the network i have a little controller device called a cloud key that's the gizmo that keeps all these devices synchronized and the nice thing is here that if you set up a firewall rule or if you set up some um some wi-fi configuration it's set up centrally in the network and then it's deployed out to all your devices so you don't have to go in and configure every single device you configure the network and then the switches and the access points that join that network collect that you know take down that that's configuration cool. okay so and that- it's applied everywhere that that all sounds very nice. So you've got good internet access everywhere, whether that's wired or wireless in the house. But I heard you mention Wi-Fi configuration there. I'm betting part of the reason you've got this kit is it allows you to do smart things with the network itself from a kind of software control point of view and separate it out. Because that, Life Blanford, but, it's like you read my mind. I know, I know. So I want to know how this has also made your life easier from the point of view of managing all the many network things you have in your house and why it's more secure because i suspect just getting you know better access you could have done that in a number of ways but getting an extra level of configuration so you can tinker to your heart's content is probably My the real reason contented. you've done this yes excellent so why is it contented so yeah and you're spot on and i did i did prime you essentially um i was worried because my Arlo cameras, my um, my Amazon Echo devices, all my Internet of Things Wi-Fi devices were all on the same network as my NAS that had all of my valuable data and my laptop and all the things I cared about. So I was able to create new networks, new new wireless networks that are just for the things I don't really trust, and they are. I've migrated them all onto those new networks, and you could do that with um, an airport express or something like that. That's not very clever. But the thing is that it's not just different Wi-Fi networks. Those Wi-Fi networks are segregated by a firewall, and I can have rules that say, "Oh, my Sonos device can go and get my music from my NAS. It can read my NAS, but it can't access my laptop, and I can access my cameras." 
you know, I can I can pull up the page to view my cameras, but actually my camera if somebody compromises my Arlo cameras, they can't come back across the network. So actually that separation of the networks isn't just at the wireless level. It's at something called the VLAN level, and that means that every bit of network traffic on my network now is flagged as being private or Internet of Things or mm. some other some other network. I buy that. Yeah. And it also means that I can have a third completely separate network just for guests. And I can have different rules about what they can do and where they can go. Because in the past, if you if, if you came into my house, I gave you my network key and you brought a laptop that was covered in viruses in, it could sit there overnight. You know, if you came to stay with us, you know, your your laptop full of viruses could sit there and, you know, sort of probing my network, finding all my devices, compromising them. So I really like the idea that I've got a network now. That I don't have to be too fussy. I can give that key out to absolutely anybody and it will be nicely segregated. And bonus points, proper logging and reporting and monitoring as well. You- <laughs> I mean, that, that's impressive. But have, when's the last time you went through your Wi-Fi log? Uh, well, I don't need to because it alerts me. So it has a, it's more, it's a proactive alerting. So when, uh, when I first set it up and things were trying to communicate in ways that I hadn't yet allowed. So, you know, my Sonos device was going, oh, where's my music? Where's my music? Where's my music? I would get the, I would okay. get the alerts okay. and pings that way. Now I've configured it all. At the moment, I'm not getting any alerts. But actually, when, when, somebody's, net, when somebody's device joins my guest network, I'm fully expecting them to, it, to light up like a Christmas tree. So I absolutely recommend it. Just don't don't ask me the price. Right. Well, well no, I, no. Come yes, on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there is yes. a partner acceptance factor here. You're replacing something that you get for free from your ISP with a certain amount of kit. Are we talking like, oh my goodness, partner acceptance factor, or eh, it can probably justify it because it's like a trip down out out for a, a quick meal or something. More than five hundred uh, quid. Is it more than five hundred quid? Well, each, so I suppose it depends what you need for home, but each one of these devices has cost me about a hundred pounds and I've got, I've got, I've got six. So that answers the question then on the partner acceptance sector. Very helpful. And is there any other thing that you looked at that you think might be interesting if you don't want to go all out on Ubiquiti? Well, Ubiquiti also offer a mesh system which could have just given me the benefits of the much better Wi-Fi, because that's where this journey started, mm. was how do I get Wi-Fi across all of my house and actually into my garden and into my driveway so that the car the car can pick it up. Um, and um, I, I looked at that, I looked at Eero, I looked at a bunch of the mesh systems, I looked at Google Home, but Google can't have my data. So um, there were plenty of options, but actually the one thing I really liked about Ubiquiti is it has those pro-level features at a price which is quite affordable and obviously five or six hundred quid is still quite a lot of money but actually i've got all the networking i could need if we move home i could almost rewire a completely different house you know i've got lots of nicely reusable components there um and also it allowed me to get away get get rid of a load of hacks and things as well so you know no more no more extra you know boosters and no more um power line adapters for those days when you want to go and watch the big television and have iplayer be a bit more responsive so you know it's been an investment it's been really good um, as with all the things, we've run out of time out on, on that particular topic. But what we're going to do is come back to topics much more mm. frequently now in this new format. Uh, just 10 minutes of quick chat and then revisit things. So if you've got questions and loads of people, when I said I was getting this stuff, loads of people on Twitter were like, oh, I've been thinking about that, but mm. it's confusing or scary or something like that. 
Something we haven't talked about is getting uh, mobile devices particularly to roam seamlessly between access points as you move around the house to switch from you know the, the access point in the kitchen to the access point in the front room for better for better signal. So we would loads of follow-up on that. But if you're interested, go to 361podcast.com, drop us a message or send us a Twitter message um, at 361podcast and we'll do some follow-up if you are interested. But for now, I am giddy excited with my exciting new network, which is faster, more secure, and better because I've got a massive WYSI dashboard with gauges and leads. Can, can we get some screenshots and some photos maybe on Twitter? I'd like to see what those access point things look like. Screenshot? Yes, I'll take some photographs and screenshots and absolutely yeah. everything. And I even had to fit them with a screwdriver. So I even felt like I was doing wow. proper proper DIY. It was very. Okay, let's move on. We've got the next one. Um, some news now. And uh, we're slightly behind the curve on um, all things to do with Huawei. And in some respects, we. We shied away from covering politics in the past because it hasn't really been especially interesting or relevant to the topic of the show. But, Rafe, in in our time away, some things have happened with Huawei and we thought it would be interesting just to check back to sort of say where we got to and why had they been in the news? They've been in the news because essentially there's been some bans in the US around um, Huawei and dealing with them from a business point of view. And you refer to the politics there. It's probably fair to say that this is part of the ongoing kind of trade dispute or trade war between the US and China. Uh, And Donald Trump has got involved and talked about protecting US businesses, but also there's been the implication of a security threat from putting Huawei equipment into the 5G network, but also it's been about smartphones. Because it's worth saying Huawei is the biggest telecoms equipment manufacturer in the world and the second biggest manufacturer of uh, smartphones by kind of volume. So this has actually been going on since um, actually the late spring all the way through the summer, and it's been going back and forth. And for example, the kind of ban that got imposed since got retracted and then US companies were told that they couldn't trade with Uh, Huawei and then they were kind of given an exemption and actually that's recently been extended so it's sort of been going back and forth but actually the bottom line was the US said they didn't trust Huawei from a security point of view they thought they were stealing intellectual property and a bunch of other things and so that made it very difficult for US businesses to work with Huawei and amongst other things that was uh, Google and not being able to put the kind of official Google version of Android onto Um, Huawei phones. It was the US um, network providers not being able to use Huawei equipment, not that they were really planning to. But that also applies to other bits of Huawei because they produce laptops, routers, whole load of kind of networking equipment. So, you know, it then extended to having an impact on people like Qualcomm or Arm, all of whom were basically uh, essentially forbidden from doing business. So it raises all kinds of kind of security and political questions around when these things happen in various different markets. So we thought it would be interesting to talk about it kind of from a summary point of view and maybe offer an opinion on what people should do when it comes to buying Huawei devices. So I'm interested, uh, Ewan, would you, without yes. exploring it anymore, we'll get into it in a second, but have, have you, has your view of Huawei equipment that you might buy, so mm. I mean like handsets and MiFi's probably, I'm assuming, yeah, and maybe even a laptop, you're waving a, a Huawei device at me now. Yeah, has yeah. that changed? Has it changed your mind? Have you, have you it, it, it has given buying me, their stuff? It's given me pause for thought. You see, in the Nordics uh, uh, here, Huawei is a very popular brand. There are uh, lots of phones in the mobile phone stores from Huawei. And I use a Huawei device um, uh, because half our customers do. So I, I, I want, or have, have an Android of, of some sort, and Huawei ones are 
uh, up the top of the list. So it, it's given me pause for thought. And you know, the, um, walking around uh, the office, um, people think, "Oh, what are you doing with them?" You know. Um, so there is, I think, a reputational issue um, using the device and you know, the, the the quality of the build, the quality of the services, the camera. Yeah, it's extraordinary, brilliant. It's a really, really good um, device. This is the the the, the Huawei uh, P30 Pro. Really, really nice device. Um, so I, I I am somewhat frustrated because I have always liked Huawei. I've always thought the ingenuity has been fantastic in, in recent years, in particular. And it's um I, I think really challenging to see what what does one do. You know, um do do I need to look at this device as a security risk for me? Or, and that's the, or not. And that's the challenge, isn't it? The allegation, not not necessarily proven, but the allegation is that the uh, Huawei company is very closely aligned to the Chinese government and either deliberately uh, put security vulnerabilities into their equipment so that it can be compromised by uh, state intelligence services or alternatively um, is actively using that equipment to monitor um, traffic, um, but Rafe, the the there's a it's, I think there's an important difference here between um, conversations that you might have about sort of infrastructure, so the five G network and other things like that, versus consumer devices. Because I'm not sure that there's ever been a suggestion that consumer devices were subject to this um, this claim, and they're almost sort of collateral damage, aren't they? They are, but they're probably the thing that affects consumers and the people listening to this most in the first instance. Um, and there's really two dimensions to that. In terms of the trade ban, it means that certain companies feel it's more difficult to work with Huawei. Arm is an example of that and Qualcomm. And as I say, it kind of keeps going back and forth from that. And um, Huawei had kind of a stockpile of components, so it was able to keep manufacturing. So the impact kind of in practice has been relatively small. Really, it divides into kind of two categories here existing devices which it appears are going to be okay in terms of continuing to receive google updates and that includes android 10 on the most recent devices for example but there is some suggestion coming out of ifa which is a big trade show in berlin that the latest devices kind of the p30 pro and its latest derivatives may not get google play for example out of the box and that starts to have a real impact on how good the device is and all the bits of software you get on it but you're right, in terms of like the security concerns, um, although there is discussion around that, that isn't really kind of the big topic in some ways that is kind of dominating the politics. That's not why Gavin Williamson, the kind of UK defence minister, kind of effectively got fired or sacked for leaking and why uh, Donald Trump and his security advisors have been talking about it so much. You're right, there's a, a difference when it comes to the infrastructure, and that is the part that is a concern, and that's the thing that's been generating more of the headlines that actually I think are genuinely worrying from a security point of view. And so their allegations, nothing's proven yet, but it has seen you know, UK defence minister lose his job. Donald Trump's been talking about it a lot, security advisors. But I think, you know, a genuine concern around it because, as you say, there are close links to the Chinese government and military. But even in the infrastructure, there's a division between the core 5G network, which is like the brains and heart of the network, and then some of the bits that sit you know, further out at the edge. I mean, Huawei, for example, produces an awful lot of antennas that are being used in the 5G networks. That's probably not a big concern, but some of the heart of the core network absolutely is because that's where you know, all the data is going to be flowing through it. And actually from a 5G point of view, 
you could argue these are the next generation networks that are almost going to be like a public infrastructure asset and that's certainly how governments are treating them because they're going to be so important to the future of kind of connectivity in terms of not just things like smart cities and telephone networks in general but sometimes being used by emergency services and communications are at the heart of how modern society works and that's why there's been so much back and forth on this and i think it's interesting that um obviously the, the the debates sprung up because of the discussion about 5g and a decision by us and uk and other other governments about whether or not they're going to allow huawei to contribute to the 5g core but actually there's been disputes and concerns about uh china, various chinese suppliers in in these markets for a while now and in the uk certainly um huawei set up a the condition of them doing business mm. on in this in this market in the networks market was they set up a a lab where their equipment and their uh, their engineering practices were independently audited and every year that produces a report and that was sort of the price they had to pay to get into the market uh, agreed with the government Unfortunately, every single year, they get very badly slated for very, very sloppy engineering practices. Some of the reports describe, um, you know, sort of effectively sort of uh, engineering practices that are decades out of date and leave devices open to vulnerabilities. And of course, whether or not you think that is basically sloppy business practice or sloppy engineering or whether that's deliberate as a way to um you know as a way to leave holes that can be exploited it's difficult to say but and they're not getting a clean bill of health and objectively that reports every year the the, the uk testing center that, that works on those i mean effectively the last report they put out said there's been no improvement on any of the actions that we gave huawei for the last year so at a minimum huawei aren't aren't helping themselves here by making by having these uh, apparent failings and not moving to address them and then that then flows on and of course any any trade dispute covering their equipment then immediately goes to consumer gear and and you and i imagine you know as a somebody who owns a huawei handset you hopefully mm. hope it has some resale value and i noticed at the worst oh. of the um at the worst of the issues quite a lot of people couldn't sell second-hand huawei equipment and even when yeah. maybe were choosing not to buy it because it didn't. It, it, obviously, Apple users always expect to retain some value, but these high-end devices, you need them to have some value when you move when you move them on. You, you don't well, want especially to be if it's, yeah, it's eight hundred euro, or you know, these these things are, are quite expensive now. So it is. I, I I took a lot of comfort from that um, UK report that would come out. Not the fact, not the content of it, but the fact it was happening. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what to think now, what to feel um, regarding Huawei, because I still have a very very soft spot. Um, for all the technology they've been producing over the years, and you know the device itself is um, is really good. I prefer the the, the Huawei over the Samsung. And, and if you're if you're curious about the the report, and if you're curious about the history, I'll I'll link that up in the show notes, so uh, you can you can go and read it, and it's it's published and available there. But right now, um, what as you say, Rafe, Huawei at IFA announcing devices back sort of off the naughty step, at least in the consumer devices space, but it's not resolved, and it feels very much like. The way that the, the the way that the trade negotiations go will, in some way, sort of decide the fate, regardless of the technical merit. I think that's right, and actually, I think it's the second order effects that will really have the the big thing here with the kind of unanticipated impact on consumer devices that we've just talked about, but also the reports that you refer to, kind of finding shoddy engineering practice, which might be more widespread amongst network equipment manufacturers than we realise, and actually, kind of the security issue and everything that goes with that is almost uh, you know, a so what part of that. And I think this is going to continue to run 
and I think it will be much more politically motivated than anything else because you know tech is such a big part of the economy now and these are big players this is how you can kind of score the points back and forth and it's really very difficult to say what's going to happen and that uncertainty in itself is going to make network manufacturers and consumers and businesses nervous about investing and doing things with Huawei regardless of what's going on so I think we'll come back to this and give updates as we talked about for the last topic as we go through the rest of the season yeah if you're interested definitely let us know at 361podcast.com um, or uh, at 361 podcast on, on Twitter. Uh, we will be coming back to this, and um, it's worth mentioning that um, that those those engineering reports do make reference to the engineering practices of other network providers. But of course, whether or not you think that's a fair assessment, they were they were judged to be well below par. But of course, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's whiter than white. Okay, third topic and final topic for today. Um, blimey, we're moving at speed now, aren't we? Um, Ray Flanford, City Mapper Pass now. Um, Explain. All, yes. Yes. What? It, quickly touch on what is it? Because we talked about it before our somewhat extended holiday. Um, but if if people don't remember, um, tell us what it is. And also, you've been using it for ages now. So tell us how it works. So this is from our one of our favourite mobile applications, City Mapper, that kind of allows you to plot public transport and actually transport in generally across a whole bunch of cities all around the world. But earlier this year in London, they launched City Mapper Pass, which is uh, a, a card like a debit card or a credit card that kind of gives you access to uh, all kinds of mobility things and in london we have the oyster system which is basically a tap-on system that again you can have an oyster card looks a bit like a, a debit card to use when you go on public transport that's the underground buses tfl and everything else so city mapper came up with this idea of a pass which is essentially a subscription to all the mobility services you might wish to use. Now, there are a few caveats around this, like it's zone one and zone two in London, um, which means tubes and buses. You can actually, with a version of the pass, the kind of premium version, you can get um, access to taxis as well. But essentially, it's a prepay card that allows you access to public transport. Now, the reason it's interesting is because it's done as a subscription and it's £31 a week for the Super Pass or £39 for the Super Duper Pass, which basically gives you public transport uh, cycles, uh, hiring cycles and cabs. That's actually cheaper than if you pay uh, TFL, which is the London Transport Body, directly. It will save you about a fiver a week, um, a little bit more for Super Duper, depending on what you're doing, because each time you hire a cycle, for example, each day that's £2. So potentially you can get a lot of value out of this. But it's also tied into the City Mapper application so you can see your journeys, you can do planning and do everything else with it. So it's just a really idea nice idea. We've seen lots of subscription services in all sorts of different areas, but this is one for public transport. And this is City Mapper kind of horizontally extending their offering to do something a little bit different. And um, yeah, as I said, I've been doing some hor- I've been doing some horizontal extending recently as I, well. I, I think that's a mostly different... around the midriff, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's that, just, that's a little, little bit different, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, just before before we go on, Rafe, can I just ch- check back because I think there's some some key points I just want to pull out there. Um, here, City Mapper are integrating modes of transport that are from different providers, and that's what makes it really unique. So the, 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 all the all the public types that you talked about are great, but you could buy those all on your Oyster card or, or you know, all, all from Transport for London, the provider. But just, just what's, um, it, it, it's things like, um, it's things like uh, taxi cabs that are uniquely included in this, isn't it? That, that's right. Actually, in London, the Santander cycle scheme, which is what's included, 
doesn't really work on Oyster at the moment. You'd have to pay with a, a card. So having that in Tube is quite helpful. These and are the city bikes that, that are in, in docking right. stations. Yeah, um, and you know there are lots of those now, and we'll probably come back and talk about those in a future episode. But then it also um, does a couple of these kind of on-demand taxi services. Um, in this case, it's kind of, uh, I believe, for... Uh, black cabs which is get and mini cabs by captain so in london we've got loads of these providers but city mapper have specifically said that they are going to add more modes and more providers in due course and of course because this is also effectively a prepaid or it's a debit card they allow you to do kind of the on-demand journeys that means if you go out of zone one or two or if you want to use more than the 10 pounds a week of credit you get for the the cabs or you want to use it somewhere else, you can do so. At the moment, they are kind of limiting the places that you can use it, but this is very much kind of a work in progress. And I think this is part of kind of a broader trend which we're seeing, which is mobility as a service. And there's a couple of companies that offer this in Helsinki, for example, where you can kind of get yeah. all your car, rental, your public transport, and various other things under one subscription. And there's a version that I think is something like a couple of hundred pounds a month that does sort of everything and then one just for public transport. So again, we'll probably talk more about these in the future. And there's more of these kind of on-demand things around, you know, electric scooters, electric bikes. The city mapper clearly are trying to become a kind of aggregator for all of these, not just in offering directions, which was their initial core offering, but they're now trying to make it easy for you to pay for and use those things. Because anyone who's tried to do multimodal transport in a city will know it is a bit inconvenient having to get all the right tickets, pay several times. Where, of course, you can just use this card and effectively tap in and tap out or use it um, and kind of only get charged one predictable amount that's pretty convenient and it's pretty nice and it's a i, I think it's a convenience almost comes before the cost savings in some ways are, are you using it in helsinki uh Yun? no no see i'm not here long enough because I'm, I'm here one or two days but I, many of my colleagues uh use win is i think the one that rafe is referring to um because it's it's exactly the same or very similar to city mapper very po- uh, very very popular what do we what do we know about City Mapper in terms of the the sustainability of this service, Rafe? If it's if it's cheaper than than paying for it directly, surely somebody's subsidising it. Well, that's a good question. I think they've done some Thank actuarial you. calculations and looked at the equations and said, by moving it into a subscription model, they think that some people are going to kind of overuse it and some people will underuse it. And so I would have thought they'd been pretty smart about working this out. And they're probably able to have some pretty good data on the way people have been using City Mapper and they've run various smart buses and things like that. Of all the companies in this space, I suspect they are able to put together some of the most accurate models around transport usage and therefore go, yes, we can make money doing this. And the interesting thing is they've also been smart about the kind of the, the customer service of this. So there is the ability to effectively pause the pass and that means for you get just charged a pound a week. So when you go on holiday or aren't going to be using it for a while, you can do that. And it's a bit like the freezing of a card that came out of fintechs and it's now kind of everywhere. It's convenient because if you're buying a season pass, which a lot of people who are using this will will have been doing with um, London Underground or with their train provider, they're, they're kind of just ignore the fact that some weeks they lose because they're not using it or, or whatever. And so that kind of more, um, I would say, 
digital first service has been thought about but they've also thought about it in terms of when things go wrong so i managed to mislay my city mapper pass which was a bit annoying i submitted something to their customer service and said oh it's all right we'll put it on freeze for you and we're going to send you another card and it arrived sort of three or four days later it was just a very painless process compared to kind of losing a uh, a season rail ticket or something like that which can be quite painful to get replaced and everything like that and it's also kind of the city mapper attitude is they are they think very carefully about the ux and their app is obviously the heart of their business and so clearly been doing a lot of thinking there and so they've just announced their kind of summer update and one of the things they're adding is the ability to use google pay so you'll just be able to tap your phone and travel or you know your smartwatch or something like that and actually that's the thing i've kind of been waiting for because honestly it's a bit of a pain having to pull a specific card out of my wallet whereas previously i had just been used to using my phone or my watch to kind of do that quick contactless payment um, they're also adding stuff in like trip history and stats dashboard so you can get a better idea of how much you're using it of course that will enable them to give proof around how much you're saving and also obviously give them a lot of data and they're saying that they're adding you know more as i referred to earlier transport partners um, they've also done things like tweaking the pause fee so that used to be more expensive that's actually come down in cost a bit the reason that's interesting because obviously going back to your original question they've kind of been looking at the equations and seeing what makes sense from a business point of view and i would have thought you know you you get this right for london it's a relatively complex quite a multimodal system by its very nature you can then do that in other cities and what we've talked in the past about the convenience of being able to use uber or another uh, on-demand service anywhere in the world you can easily see where it will get to city mapper where you won't have to worry about buying tickets like we did when we went to copenhagen or when you go to barcelona it will just work wherever you go and that convenience factor i think is the thing that will ultimately make this really interesting both for a multimodal multi-provider and multi-city and we talked about how amazing it was that you could leave one city and go to a completely another country and use your uber app and pay and and have a completely sort of seamless experience across countries and that that could be the same with with city mapper across its locations i suppose i think it's important to say for any americans that are listening that um actually uh in london we're quite used to paying contactless for for things so you can already swipe a bank card to go in and out of the 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 buses and trains and um, have a fair cap applied during the day and all the benefits of what's normally you know require some kind of transit pass so it almost feels like the authorities here have trained people to use payment cards to travel and now city mapper are sort of capitalizing on that to provide this sort of value add value add service grand well we've run out of time on that one but you're endorsing city mapper rafe blanford by the sound of things yes uh, i enjoy using it good customer service more convenient than what i had before Uh, So check that out again. We'll stick a link in the show notes if you'd like to uh, find out more about that. And that is us done. Three lots of ten minutes, quick and quick and easy. We'll be back um, really soon. So we're gonna we're gonna try and record much more regularly. Try and put these out on a fortnightly basis now. So um, hopefully this worked for you. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We definitely rusty. Oh man, definitely. We're getting there. We're getting there. Come on. Yeah, and 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 it might be a bit rough around the edges, but you know, forgive us that if you um. If you like the show or if you didn't like the show, please give us a bit of feedback. Let us know yes. what you'd like us to talk about in the future. Just uh, let's quickly look down the uh, the content calendar with things yeah. we think we're going to talk about in future episodes. Um, going to talk about uh, premium uh, fintech cards like uh, Mon- uh, Monzo Metal and the Apple Card. Is there yes. uh, is there any value in having a fancy metal card to go with your expe- with your better quality mobile banking app? 
Um, where do you get your news from? A, a fascinating story about the way that phone hackers are subverting mobile networks to uh, be untraceable to the police. Uh, we're going to be talking about how you uh, carry your kit, bags. Uh, I, I, I confess to having a little bit of a bag slash uh, equipment carrying uh, problem here i i found a new way to expend a lot of money for margin very marginal improvements uh and uh, also we'll be talking about uh the way that voice uh, voice interfaces are changing computing and making them accessible to people in the future if you're interested in those or indeed any other topics you'd like us to talk about 361podcast.com or at 361podcast on Twitter. Uh, Patreon subscribers, we haven't forgotten you. Thank you so much we for love sticking you. around. Yes. You, uh, the, all, all, everybody who was a, a Patreon subscriber back uh, back at the end of 20, uh, 2018 is still a Patreon subscriber. I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to trigger any payments for these first couple of episodes. While we get the show back on the road, uh, while we get things back up to standard, uh, these are just going to be free and non-Patreon supported, but we're still grateful to everybody and uh, I'll be writing to everybody on patreon if you uh, if you want to keep supporting the show that'd be great and i'll let you know in plenty of notice if you'd um, if you'd like to uh, change or or stop your your donation so you're not caught out by surprise when we start uh, when we start the, uh, the stickers again we're gonna do stickers i have got and a delivery very recently of monster sized giant at giant 361 stickers uh so we will do something cool about those we'll be doling those out to to listeners and to listeners and patreon subscribers i'll find a cool way to uh to distribute those we had some offers last time we did stickers uh but we've got some some large vinyl stickers and uh, i should probably send you two some as well that'd be nice I can I can send them exclusively from Copenhagen to people if they want. Excellent, excellent. Well, I I can I can, I can given given it's taken us eight months to record thirty five minutes of audio, I can imagine that people shouldn't necessarily hold their breath for <laughs> you to start a shipping service. <laughs> as ever uh thank you very much for listening uh we have uh, hugely enjoyed making this and it's been the, the the biggest incentive to get back to it um we have shut down the twist community it didn't it was a interesting experiment last season it didn't really work we're mm. gonna go back to keeping things nice and simple if you'd like to chat to us drop us an email all the contact details are on 361podcast.com and we're at 361podcast on twitter that's a great way to tell us we're awful in public we will be back <laughs> in a fortnight's time thank you very much for listening goodbye Rafe Lanford goodbye goodbye Ewan McLeod goodbye thanks very much bye bye